So, Father, we ask again that you just, you bless the word uh, to our heart and just impart Christ to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to read uh, in Jude, verse 16, and we'll read to uh, verse 21. So in Jude 16, it says this, uh, these are murmurers, complainers walking after their own lusts and their mouth speaks great swelling words having men's persons in advantage in admiration because of advantage notice that having men's persons in advantage in admiration because of advantage but but beloved remember you the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there would be markers in the last time who would walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves. In other words, they cause division. They put walls up. Sensual. And this sensual here means not so much uh, the sexual sins or those impurities. It just, it's the Greek word is sukiki or si- Suki, it's their soul. Their whole life is, is around themselves. They're very self-conscious. And then it says, having not the spirit. But verse 20 says this, but you, beloved. This is speaking to us, all those that are born again. This is the part that's speaking to us. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now in 1 John 4, 1 John 4, verse 17, it says this, Herein, and this is what the King James says, Herein is our love made perfect. And really, it doesn't really say that. In the original, in the original, it says this. Herein is our love that's for us from Christ completed. So Christ has an intimate and beautiful love for us that he has completed specifically with us in mind. It's very, very personal. So here he's speaking of the perfection of, of our acceptance in the beloved. And that's very personal. Which, of course, is the only thing that can cast out all fear out of the soul or the suki, out of that self-consciousness. So what gets our mind off of ourselves? What gets our mind out of self-consciousness and gets us into God-consciousness? Well... 1 John 4, 8 and 16 says that God is love. And it's this, the perfection of this love that is equal to us being accepted in his son. That is, when we become occupied with it, the thing that drives out all self-consciousness. Because the fact of the matter is, when any of us begin to think on ourselves, think on certain things, circumstances, situations, problems, and we begin to look at things by natural sight, 
All we can do is fear. That's all. That's the, that's going to be the outcome of the soul, the person, the believer, who continues in their life to think within themselves. And of course, that can make us very subjective. And there's where fear comes in. But we need, and thank God, we have objectivity. God has accepted us in his son. The son, according to God the Father, is the place of his rest. It is the place where God the Father can rest completely and confidently and fully satisfied. And so that is his beloved. That's the place where he can rest. So in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, it says that he rests in his love. He rests in his love. The Father can rest in his love for us because the love that he loves us with is the love, the accomplishment of that love that Christ won for us, for us to be accepted. So the Father gave the Son for you and I to live in the certainty and the satisfaction and the overwhelming love and joy that has completed every single thing about us. So that's why there's no fear in love. I think it's interesting. Paul says in Galatians 2, verse 20, he says that I am crucified with Christ. What a, what a verse that is. I am the I. <laughs> and sometimes that's the, that's the one that we make more of an issue of than anything. It's I. <laughs> but he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. How do we live? Well, Christ died for us. He rose again. And all of this has to do with the accomplishment of his love. All of this has to do with the proof that we have been accepted in the son of the father's love because of the resurrection. <laughs> he rose. He rose from the dead. Everything that was left in the grave was every single thing that could condemn us. Nothing can condemn us. Even if someone tries to condemn us. We don't live in that. We live in the fact that, we, that everything that God himself could condemn us was left in the grave. We rose with a brand new life. So in natural thinking, when we begin to possibly at times condemn ourselves, we know that there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Why? Because Christ died for us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Then how should we live if every single thing has been removed that could interfere with the love of God for us, this intimate love? If it's already been removed, then how should we live? We should live in a love that has been so perfected concerning us. And that's what it means. Herein is love that has been perfected for us. And when we live in that, the fact, in the certainty, and the full satisfaction of the love 
that has been perfected about us intimately, that will keep us from living in self-consciousness. And now we will live in God-consciousness. We won't be any longer subjective. We won't live within ourselves as a mean means. We will live in Christ in us as an object. When Christ, who loves us and gave us his life, is not our object in our thinking. He can never be anything but our object in the truth of our position in him. Nothing will ever change that. But the thing that God wants to, through growth, develop in us is the experience of the truth of that we are so loved. And that love will keep out fear. It's the only thing that can. We said the other night, and I said it on the phone to my dear friend, uh, Tony, the other night, when Christ, and, and when we read the psalm, Psalm 17, especially really that whole psalm, you read those first 15 verses, those 15 verses there, it is spoken in the spirit of Christ, where it says, keep me, in Psalm 17, verse 8, keep me as the apple of your eye, and keep me from all those, and when we're the apple of his eye, when we are the little person in Christ in the very center of God's view, we said the other night that God's view of us, God's sight of us is Jesus Christ. In other words, he doesn't consider us ever outside of his perfect son, Jesus Christ. Never does. And when we think that way, and we can only think that way, it can't be based upon feelings because our feelings are up and down. We need to walk by faith in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, and not by feelings. We need to walk by it. Why? How important is it for us? It's extremely important for us. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by dependence upon how God thinks and God doesn't think outside of Christ towards us. And when we do, we now we experience what sad, very sad to say, and we, we are growing in this, all of us. And of course, it's God's desire for every single one of those that are, that are his in Christ is to grow in experiencing the intimacy of his love for us. When we are occupied with him and his thoughts, he begins to lift us up above everything. We are kept as the apple of his eye. So for you and I to live by how God thinks, which is his sight of us, his view of us in Christ. So if I want to know how God sees, I have to walk by faith. And faith means completely apart from my feelings or how I see things. I don't go by how I see. I depend upon God's sight. And God's sight of me is never anything less than Christ seated at his right hand with you and I in him far above everything. And boy, when I start thinking like that, his love comes in, it lifts me up above everything. It takes the fear 
right out of us. Takes that fear right out. Our eyes are no longer on self. So when the flesh, which is very deceptive in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, when it's very deceptive, and when it begins to come in to condemn us, we take our eyes immediately off of that and get them on Christ. We start depending upon God and his word. That's what happens. That's what we do. And immediately our eyes are off of self. And then they're upon him. And so that perfect, intimate love that on his side, on God's side, on Christ's side, nothing can interfere with. He just has to remove things in us that can interfere with the flow of that love that never changes. Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord your God, I change not. God can't be anything other than who he is, and God is love. He's love. And he has an intimate love for us, very intimate. And so love has been perfected with us, with each and every single one of us. It's not our love is made perfect. That is not what it says. What the original says is that love has been perfected for us. In other words, God is relying on who he is (laughs) and no one else and nothing else. And when we rely on nothing other than him, who is love, who is intimate love with us, it'll keep fear out. It'll keep it out. Because God's love has been, past tense, has been perfected, completed in regard to us been absolutely completed it has found its way and completed its will how did how did God's love find its way Jesus said I am the way in John 14 verse 6 the truth and the life and what and and God has found his way and how did he found find his will well Hebrews 10 7 and 9 he came to fulfill his will his meat in John 4, 34, his very sustenance was to do the will of the Father and to complete the work. And he's done it. And so God, who was love, his love can flow through this absolute intimate perfection that he has. And by the way, he's designed that love in such a unique way as to create us in a, in a unique way to experience it like no one else can. Because it's ours, very, very personally. So God's love has been found to be perfected because it's found its way and it's, and it's completed its will in blessing for us because Christ has been glorified. And that love that he loves us with is not satisfied as long as it sees in us the least element of fear remaining. It won't be satisfied because it's completed everything that could break, that could cause the fear because he's the way. Love found a way. He's the truth. The truth is love has dealt with every single thing about us. It's removed as far as the east is from the west, in Psalm 103, verse 12, it's removed 
sin as far as the east is from the west. Though we sin, when we sin against ourselves, when others sinned against us, when others hurt us, it's all been dealt with in his love. When I make his love the issue, now I have authority over self-consciousness. That's the Christian life. The Christian life is Galatians 2.20. I am, not I will be. Oh God, not I hope so. Oh God, this thing that I hate. Oh, I hope I'll be like Jesus. No, I am crucified with Christ. And, and I no longer live. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. How do we live? Christ is my life now. That love is my life. His love for me in and through Christ is my very life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, his Christianity, yet not I but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do we think in any way that once he gave himself for us, did he stop giving? No. The love that gave his Son, the perfection of his love, is the continual giving. That love that loved us and was giving to us was a love even when we weren't aware of it that loved us. What makes us think that, that, it, that everything that's been removed could stop that love? It doesn't on his part. When we live in unconfessed sin, it's not that, that God runs away and hides. It's that, that sin that's in us that we're occupied with keeps that flow of love from us receiving what is ours in our position. We don't experience it. And his love is not satisfied until there's not a drop of fear in us. That's why the Holy Spirit will lovingly convict us. You know, some, some Christians think through bad teaching or receiving teaching that is in the power of the Spirit, that, that they receive it in the letter of the flesh because they make the issue about themselves, can be condemned by it. But the reality is, is that there is no condemnation in Romans 8, 1, to them that are in Christ. And the Holy Spirit convicts us, convinces us through an incredible love. I mean, what would cause us, even if we were wrong in areas, to even get right? It would have to be God who is love. It would have to be that motivating factor would be his love for us, not fear. Because there's no fear in love. There isn't any. And so God wants to remove that. He has to remove it in us. And sometimes, like we said last week and several other times, when he begins the greatest work in us, those times seem like they're the worst. Those times seem to be like they're the loneliest. But the truth of the matter is God is doing a deep digging. He's breaking up. In Jeremiah 4, verse 3, Hosea 10, verse 12, Luke 8, 15, he's breaking up this fallow ground because he wants love to get down in there through the water of his word so that fruit comes up. 
But unless a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, and die in terms of self, it'll abide alone. In other words, it will be lonely. John 12, verse 24, Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it'll bring forth much fruit. And of course, specifically, that was teaching of the cross. That was teaching the very cross that, that Christ was facing. And he said, except a corn of wheat, me, except I go to the cross and die, I will have all this perfect righteousness, but I will be all, all alone with it. But if I do die, Oh, look at the fruit that will come forward. And what, what is that fruit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23? The fruit of the Spirit, which means the Spirit is taking what Christ, who Christ is and what he's accomplished. And the first fruit is the first cause, it's love. That love that's been perfected for us is a love that's uncaused. Think about it. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are uncaused, uncreated life. So there is no cause in us that his perfect Son did not deal with to keep the uncaused, intimate, personal love of God flowing to all of us. It's been removed. So could there be fear in that? What does God fear about us? That his son has not accomplished. Is there any fear in God? Let me ask, has God ever feared one time? What does that mean? Do you, do you think that, that God, long before he created anything, that he knew it was going to fall but did that cause fear in him? Or was there a lamb already slain in the eternal mind of God? This uncaused love that's unmerited. And remember what grace is. This is what grace is. And in Ephesians 2.8, we're saved by it. 1 Peter 1.5, we're kept by it. We're kept in 1 Peter 5.10 by the God of all grace. Yes, we are. And circumcision avails nothing nor uncircumcision, but a faith that expresses itself through love, a dependence that expresses itself through love that's received in Galatians 5, 6. But in this uncaused, uncreated love and life, was there any fear in it? Is Christ my life? Is there any fear in him? Does he fear anything in us? That he hasn't, is there anything that he has left undone in us in this perfect love? Should we build ourselves up on our most holy faith? All those truths about what Christ has accomplished and then thereby keep, guard, to Rio, to guard and protect ourselves with this intimate love it has nothing to do with self-consciousness. It's not looking itself. We don't get peace when we look in, into ourselves to see what we can perform so that we can experience being accepted by him. <laughs> we'll never find peace that way. Listen, what's the first cause of uncaused the love of God? It's love. What's the first effect of us being loved? It's joy. What's the effect of joy? 
peace. Listen, listen, truthfully, listen. God has given, some, given something to us in Christ that nothing can affect. Do we believe that? Do we? Is this love perfect? Is God who is love perfect? Can any, okay. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, verse 1? Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Because what does trouble do? When, when we live in self-consciousness, we evaluate trouble. We can't do anything about it as much as we try. Then what? We fear. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. You believe in God? Do you believe in God who is love? Then believe in me, the fulfillment of his love and the perfection of his intimate love for you. Believe in him. And also believe in John 14, 27, let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. I give you my peace. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. We're not going to get peace in this world, believe me. Our peace is not that. Christ is our peace in Ephesians 2, 14. And as long as our mind is, in Isaiah 26, verse 3, stayed upon him, right? Because what does it mean to experience peace? We know because Christ is our peace and the blood of his cross in Colossians 1, verse 20, has settled everything between God and I, settled everything, then I have his perfect peace. Because it says, whose mind is stayed upon him. What is, listen, we all have trouble. We all have to grow. We all go through, go through circumstances and situations. But what is our mind stayed on? By what someone said to us or what God says to us through Christ? What we feel in self-consciousness or what we depend upon is God's thoughts towards us through Christ. What is our mind staying on? The trouble? Maybe God allows the trouble. He does. In Job 23, verse 16, at times, at times. And whether it's meant for his good, and God always means it for our good, by the way, trouble. When our mind is stayed on him, no matter who troubles us, God will protect us. <laughs> That's a fact. But he had to trouble Job in Job 23, verse 16. He says, the Almighty troubled me. Why? Why does God allow trouble in our life? Because it's to make our hearts soft, pliable. So his word can get in there and deal with issues that you and I are not even aware of until the trouble comes. So he'll send trouble. So his love can go right in there. Because what's going to he What do we want? Who doesn't truthfully, in all honesty, in God's presence, want to be loved? Well, we are. We are loved. We are so loved by God. And being occupied with him, we live in the continual healing that's ours in Christ. That's why in Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word. And he healed them. I live in a continual healing that nothing can touch. Nothing can touch it. 1 John 5, 18, the wicked one touches us not. So God has us at times alone 
At times there's trouble, because why? Because he's going deep. He's going deep and removing what we're relying on in the consciousness of self. So now we live in God. What does it mean to be God conscious for believers? It means to constantly live in the experience of his love. <laughs> Being so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is continually giving his love to us. Was there ever a time that God didn't love us? Okay, God is love. Was there ever a time that he didn't love us? But he sent his son so that his son could remove in us the thing that would keep that love from flowing. Yes, the father's justice, his righteousness, his integrity, and holiness had to be dealt with for him to be, have perfect love for us. And that perfect love is the manifestation of his son. His perfect love in us. Is Christ in each one of us? Is he in Colossians 1, 27? That means there's a perfect, intimate love with us that had us in mind that is so perfectly intimate and so perfectly satisfied that nothing can interfere with it on God's part. He just has to, once we've received his son, remove anything in us that keeps the flow of that love. Then we have this authority. Love has authority over fear because it's conquered it. For the believer, fear is a phobia. It's a lie. It's based on a lie. It is based on lies. So, in this day, as we close, in this evil time that we are, we were reading uh, Jude 16 uh, to, uh, to 21. We live in this evil world system <clears throat> where this this world system, we have the flesh in us and we have Satan and his fallen angels, his, his demonic army that are constantly coming against us. How are we to protect ourselves? How should we protect ourselves when there's fightings that are without and that there are fears within? But what does love do to the fears? If fears are in, fightings are without, but if fears are in and perfect love casts out fears, then that deals with even the fightings that are without. They can't come in. So love drives out fear and keeps the fightings from coming within. And that's what Titus did with Paul. He came. He came as a package and a bundle of God's love for him. And Paul was experiencing fightings without and fears within. And of course, he second, in a vast second to Christ, he experienced it like no other human being, the Apostle Paul. But it's true with us. There's going to be fightings without and there's going to be fears that Satan wants to project for us to come in and then he wants us to build our thoughts on that and not building ourselves up on our most holy faith. The holy faith there is all the truths that we are in Christ. Who Christ is. When it says build yourselves up on your most holy faith, we're building ourselves up on who Christ is and what he's accomplished. That's a foundation 
that nothing that the gates of hell in Matthew 16, 18 can't prevail against. All the gates, in other words, open the gates and let the army flow through and come against us. It won't prevail. It will not prevail. Satan wants to have authority over us with a lie to bring in fear, and that's what we build our life on, our whole thought process. But he will keep him. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, he'll keep him in perfect peace. What's that? Okay, what is perfect peace as we close? It's love perfected that brings a joy and brings a peace. Three outward, three onward. Amazing. Three inward, three outward, and three onward. We've been taken care of in the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That is... The fruit of the Spirit is what he takes of Christ and he constantly has to show us. He wants us to build ourselves up on all the truth. That's why it's so important, so important to not only receive right truth, but by absolute dependence, apart from feelings, to trust God no matter what. And when the storms come, and they will, we said it the other night, and when the enemy comes in like a flood in Isaiah 59, 19, he comes in like a flood. What's he want to flood us with? Lies, fear. The, the Spirit of God lifts up a standard. And who's the standard? Uh, the standard is how God views us. It's Christ. That's his standard. We have, he, God has a standard. And that standard is Christ. That standard is Christ in us and us in Christ. That's God's standard. Pretty good standard, huh? Pretty awesome, huh? Can anything shake that? Can't. Can't shake it. We have, we have a perfect love. And we're to build ourselves up on our most holy faith to guard ourselves with that love of God. That means the more we take in the truth of who Christ is, who he is and who we are in him, the truth of that word, we get that on the inside and we begin to fortify our minds and then that love that comes as a result of that accomplishment of Christ in us becomes a fortification and keeps anything out, keeps the lies out, keeps the fear out. And then we live in Romans 8, 37, more than conquerors because God for us who's against us in Romans 8, 31, and nothing can separate us in Romans 8, 35 to 39 to, for the, from the love of Christ that's in us. So, Father, thank you for your word this morning. We just praise you and we thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.